0: It seems almost inappropriate to uh, interrupt that that moment of, of of being in pure worship with God after taking time to remember the body and blood of Christ and what a what a special privilege we have as believers to gather together to experience worship and remembering Jesus together as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Vision Sunday. And Vision Sunday is a Sunday that we do four times a year. And we focus on taking time to, as a body, celebrate the body and blood of Christ through communion. It is a time when we, during ABF, help to prepare ourselves to better share the gospel, to better share about what Christ has done, doing some, some, some teaching and training on, on how to share the gospel and becoming more comfortable in sharing the gospel. It's time for us to focus on, on our core values and, and pick, choosing each, one each time we do this and, and our vision, why we do what we do. And the Fairlawn Church exists to glorify God by equipping believers to advance the gospel. And so, so we exist to equip believers, which Ephesians 4:11 says it was he who gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to prepare God's work. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we exist to equip the believers, to equip you, to do the works of service, as Ephesians says, so that the body of Christ, so that together we may build up the body of Christ. And as we do that, as we equip believers, it is for the purpose of advancing the gospel. It's not for the purpose solely of of gaining knowledge and, and gathering together and huddling together. It is to advance the gospel. It is to do what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 when he says, go and make disciples. Go to the nations and make disciples Teach these new disciples, he says, to obey my commands. So so when we equip believers, it is for the purpose of us advancing the gospel, taking Jesus beyond these walls to the places that we live and to faraway places like Papua New Guinea and, and places like that. But we equip to advance. Our core values... Help us to they shape us. They help us to become more intentional in how we equip believers to advance the gospel. They help us to keep our focus and and to to understand and, and to better invest our time and resources. Now, every church has has values. Whether they're written or not, every church has core values, things that they hold dearly. But when we write them down and we think through them, they help us to continually evaluate how we're doing. So as we look at our core values as we, and we look at them regularly, we ask the question, how are we doing in, in exercising and living out these things that we believe are very important? Uh, we've been talking a lot about a building project and and renovation and doing all those things and 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 uh, the building is not our vision but it is a tool to help us accomplish equipping believers to advance the gospel. But what core values then do is they help us as we are in the midst of of this building project of beginning to prepare hopefully in a month or so to to break ground. It helps to keep our focus on the things that are most important. As we look at our core values and you see a list of them this morning up on the screen, here's how I see our core values being realized. And some of our core values are, are realized values, things that, that we're doing pretty well. Uh, some of them are values that, that we need to get much better. They're more idealized, but we recognize that, that these values are something that every church needs to have, that, that we need to have as the, as the Fairlawn Church. And as I look at our values, I want to quickly run down through, this morning we're going to focus on gospel-rooted families, but I want to run down through our core values real quickly. So we believe in gospel-focused teaching. And it is important, this value of gospel-focused teaching is important because we believe that God's word has the power to transform lives. And so when... Uh, when we preach, if you're newer with us, you, you realize that most of our preaching is expository. We we take a book of the Bible and we work our way through it. Not that that's the only way to do preaching, but we believe because of our core value of gospel-focused teaching, that that is the best way that we can teach the Bible. And we believe that as God's word transforms, it should make us passionate about about the core value of gospel-driven discipleships. That we would become a church of people, we would become followers of Jesus who would make disciples who make disciples. In other words, we wouldn't stop just by, 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 by taking in knowledge and, and learning more things, but we would take the things that we learn, and we would begin to share the gospel with people who need Jesus, and as they come to, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we would walk with them, and we would teach them. But the way we see gospel, um, gospel-driven discipleship exercised here at Fairlawn on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights is we see it in our adult Bible fellowships where we gather together where discipleship happens. We see it on Saturday mornings, the second Saturday of the month, when, when our man-up group gets together and, 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 and they break into small groups and, and they pray for each other and they care for each other and they do teaching. We see that uh, with our men's ministry in the Conquer series, the Conquer groups that meet together for accountability. And, and in our women's ministry, in the Titus 2 uh, that, that has been developed, we see this happening in children's ministry. You see, when you serve in children's ministry, you're not just a volunteer who is teaching children, you are a disciple maker you are making disciples of, chill, of young children who will one day grow up to be adult disciples of Jesus. And, and, and it should be something that, that, I need to be a little careful, but, but one of the things that frustrates me at times is that, is that our children's ministry struggles to get people who are willing to make disciples of our children. We have 350 adults, and we need you to be invested in the next generation. So when our volunteers are over there, they're not just teaching or babysitting, they're making disciples. I love our Rescued and Alive to Shine youth ministry because, because they focus, it is a discipleship-driven ministry. It is not an events-driven or, or, uh, or pizza-driven Ministry. It is a discipleship-driven ministry where, where, where our uh, uh, Stephen, and Benji, and the rest of the volunteers in junior high and youth, they focus on gospel-focused teaching. They are discipling our young people, and I believe it is no accident that that as you look at our young men and women who who go through our children's ministry and our junior high and, and youth ministry that so many of them end up doing discipleship training schools and, and are involved in our GO teams because, because what, what discipleship does, what, what, what gospel-focused teaching and, and gospel-driven discipleship does, it helps us to understand and motivates us to, to be engaged in gospel-motivated mission. And so, so when we see our young people going out, whether it is globally with, with REACH or YWAM, and we currently have, I think, eight or 10 young people who are in all parts of the world, but we also see our, our young men and women, our young adults being engaged in GO teams, where they are locally, they are engaging in ministry. And, and I don't believe that is an accident that, that so many of them are engaged in Making disciples, and we see gospel motivated mission not just happening here. Um, you know, making Jesus famous not just here, but we see that happening in places like Montana and Papua New Guinea and North Africa and Ecuador and Kenya, where we have long term workers that that we support. We have a kids' club that meets Thursday nights. And last, last Thursday night, we had 73 children that were here, and most of whom aren't churched. It's great to see some of our kids here to be a part of that. So, so we, we have a, a, a whole bunch, probably 50 kids that hear the gospel every Thursday night. So gospel-motivated mission is one of our core values, and we believe as the body of Christ, as as we equip believers, the result of that should be that we are going and we are making disciples. But gospel-motivated mission requires gospel-fueled prayer if we are going to have impact, and Steve alluded to that this morning, if we are going to have, have lasting, deep impact, this whole idea of prayer, if we believe that every time we pray something changes, then we must be engaged more in prayer. This is one of our, this is, I would call this an idealized value. We recognize that this is really important, but at times we struggle to execute and and, and to be engaged in prayer. And sometimes when we break up on Sunday morning and say, "Hey, let's everybody let's get together, Let's, let's gather in circles to pray." Now, I'll admit that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But if we believe that 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 God moves that the hand of God is moved when we pray, then, then my, my uncomfortable sense of, of having to gather around with other people to pray should really go away, and I should be okay with praying with other people. We need to get better at this. We need to, we, we need to look for ways, and, and in a personal, you know, for all of us, this is a time for us you know, prayer must be a vital part of my personal time with God. Now, in case you're thinking, you coffee haters, this is water. This is not coffee. Just so you know. I thought some of you might be a little bit worried that I'm now drinking coffee while I preach. I'm not. Let's move on. You can pray for me. One of our other core values is gospel-centered community. You know, the reason we gather on Sunday mornings and the reason that we do adult Bible fellowships and and and, and we gather as, as young people and as children is because we believe that gospel-centered community is important to spur one another on. You know, John 13, 35, it says this new command, I give you love one another as I have loved you. And then, then Jesus said, that the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. And we love one another in community. And, and so this thing of community is really important. And if, if, if the only time you gather with the body is on, is on Sunday mornings for 45 minutes or for one hour, you miss a lot of the beauty of, of being a part of the body of Christ. You see, because it is in these, in these smaller versions of, of community that, that I think we grow And so we gather in as, as a corporate body of, of, you know, 500 people on Sunday morning, but, but then we break that down into groups of 20 to, to 40 in smaller groups so that we can do community be- together better. Uh, you see community happening in, in the cafe on Sunday mornings and, and in other places, but, but gospel-centered community is really important for us to be a part of. You see, because we were not meant... to to live this Christian faith, to to walk it out by ourselves. It was meant for us to live it out with other people, to invest in other people, and to allow other people to invest in us. Gospel-centered community is very, very important. That brings me to what we, the folks of the morning, and that is gospel-rooted family. You know, and as I said last week, um, when Jason and Jelana shared, which, by the way, um, I really appreciate their willingness to, to give us a glimpse into their lives. Um, it, was, it was probably the most powerful thing that I have ever experienced here at Fairlawn. We need healthy marriages. We need, we need healthy families if we're going to have a healthy church. And I think gospel-rooted families begin the day that, that, that a man and woman get married. A family is formed when a, when a wedding happens. And from that day forward, uh, it is important that, that we, as husband and wife, begin to connect and, and prepare ourselves for possibly having children. And then when we, as husbands and wives, have, as we have children, it is important that, that we pass on our faith to the next generation. Now, this is somewhat of a partnership between the church and, and the family, but, but it seems like we've got things turned around over the years where we feel like the primary purpose uh, person responsible for discipling our children is the church or the school or someone else. When the reality is that that the primary responsibility for discipling our children is placed directly on parents. God has given them to you for you to disciple. The church is merely uh, someone that comes, we come alongside and we give assistance, we partner with. But but 80% of discipling your children is, is dependent on you as moms and dads. It's not something that we can farm out to the church or the school or to someone else. This is something that we as parents need to take responsibility for. A few years ago, we made a decision here at Fairlawn to have family worship. In other words, to have two year olds and three year olds and ten year olds in worship with their parents. Why do we do that? Why do we we make you parents have your kids in here and wrestle with them? Because we believe that family worship, we believe that it is vitally important for your children to see you worshiping. We believe it's vitally important for you as families to, to when you get home on Sunday morning, if you've heard anything after wrestling with your children, that you're able to have conversation with your children. But I want you to know, as a pastor, I love seeing small children in our worship. Actually, I I don't mind. I like hearing children cry. It never bothers me. I always tell people, because they always ask me, does it bother you when children cry? I said, no, crying babies don't bother me, but sleeping men do. There are many churches in this world that would would give anything to hear a crying baby in worship on Sunday morning. So moms and dads, don't ever feel bad when your child cries on Sunday morning. Because it is a sign. It's a sign of life. It's exciting. Now, I was a parent once too, and I know that it's easy for grandpa to say that because you're way more gracious when you're a grandpa than when you're, when you're a parent trust me it's okay when your child cries if they get out of you know if they you know if they run in the aisle and they get away from you that's okay because we believe it is worth a little bit of distraction for families to worship together but this whole thing of passing our faith on to the next generation how do we do that you know, in our in our extended statement on gospel-rooted families, it says it is our desire that all families be rooted in the gospel, just as a tree receives its nutrients and the ability to mature through its roots. So, to our marriages and relationships with our children, must be rooted in the gospel. When you read that, I'm reminded of Psalm chapter one, where it says where it says that, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand away of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And the psalmist says, and, and that man that meditates on God's word day and night, he is like a tree that's planted by streams of water. And that tree that's planted by streams of water, it bears fruit in season and out of season. That is what we as parents have to understand, that if we, want, if we want gospel-rooted families, we must be rooted in God's word, first of all, as individuals. You know, the family today is under incredible attack. You know, John 10.10 says that the, thief, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, and that is what Satan is up to today. He desires to destroy our families because if he can destroy our families, if he can wreak havoc on our families, then he will wreak havoc on our churches and ultimately on society. And, and that's what we see happening today. We see families being destroyed We need, if we're going to have healthy churches, we need healthy families. And we need healthy parents who can help their children make healthy choices as they're growing up. If we want to pass our faith on to the next generation, then we have to be intentional about parenting. You often hear parents say, you know, what what, what are your goals for your children? Well, I want them to be well-rounded, moral people, good people. I want them to learn to provide for themselves and their families. And, and, you know, I want them to be happy, and I want them to contribute to society in some way. That's what I want. And those are goods, and he should want those things. But, but here's the question. How is that different from, from an atheist or an agnostic or a Buddhist or a Muslim? They all want their children to be, to be good moral people, to, to be happy, to provide for themselves. They want that for their children too. Everybody does. But as Christians... We have a purpose, I believe, that reaches far beyond our children just being good, moral, happy contributors to society. You see, our primary purpose as parents is to teach our children to love and obey Jesus. That should be our ultimate goal. And if we're going to do that, we have to have a plan. If we want gospel-rooted families, our question can't be how do I raise well-rounded individuals, but how do I raise my child to love and follow Jesus above everything else? And once I've established this, this question of what do I want my child to be, do I want them really to be, to, 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 do I want my child to really love Jesus more than anything else? Even if that looks differently than what I expected them to live. What if they go to the mission field because I taught them to love Jesus? What if they go to Kenya or they go to Northern Africa or they go somewhere where I'll never see my grandchildren? What about that? So how do I raise my children to love Jesus above everything else? Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. So, so Moses and the children of Israel, they've been preparing themselves to go into the promised land for a long time. And the time has now arrived. And so God gives Moses one last instruction before they cross over into the Jordan, because, cross over the Jordan into the promised land, because God knows that they're going to face a lot of adversity. They're going to face a pagan culture. They're going to face people that don't, that don't love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and strength. They love other gods. They love other things. And so here's what God tells Moses to tell the people. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that your children, their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. He says, "Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your the God of your fathers has promised." Then he says, "Listen, hear, O Israel." The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands I give you today so so that they may be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, what Moses was saying, what God was telling Moses was, look, when you go into the promised land, when you go into that place of godless people, first of all, parents, you have to love me. You have to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. With all of yourself, you have to love God. So it begins with me as a parent. If I want to raise children that that love Jesus, it begins with me loving Jesus first. And as I love Jesus with all of myself, he says, I now begin to impress that on them. I impress on them, and he says, look, when you sit at home, and when you walk along the way, and when you lie down, and when you get up, when you tithe, look, and everything that you do, teach your children who Jesus is. Because you see, moms and dads, if you want your children to be followers of Christ, then they must see it at home. They must first see it at home. They have to see evidence of Jesus in your home. So how do we do that? I think a couple of quick ways, and I'm, I'm running out of time, but, but I think a couple of the ways is, is moms and dads, discuss your faith journey. Tell your children about your faith journey, how you came to Christ. Tell them the before. Christ and the coming to Christ and the after Christ and how He's changed you. Tell them your story. Give your kids space to wrestle through the tough questions of their own faith. Our kids have to own their faith. And sometimes, as parents, we don't like when our, when our children question or doubt their faith. We have to create an environment where they can ask us tough questions and then be able to answer them together. And we're scared of that. And so we just avoid it. you must let your children ask tough questions. Involve your children in service. Serve together. You know, last summer we went to Cleveland and, and several families went to Cleveland and we served together. The Kenya team took some some. Um, moms and sons and daughters and, and dads and sons and daughters serving together because when our children see us serving, they recognize that our faith is more than just something we do on Sunday mornings, but it's how we live life. If we want our children to own their faith, they have to see our faith in action. And then we have to prioritize our schedules. Our schedules have to reflect that our belief in Jesus, that Jesus is the most important thing that we have. So as families, sit down and discuss your schedule. And if loving Jesus and serving him is more important than anything else, does your schedule reflect that? You know, years ago, we began to see in the church that the church that we began to compete. With activities outside of church on Wednesday evenings. Today we see Sunday morning activities competing with outside activities. And it's starting younger and younger. To me, that is concerning. But I am not raising your children. And I think what we have to do as parents, as you are filling in your weekly schedule, your monthly schedule, is this... Schedule this month. Is this scheduled this week? Is where we are investing our time and energy in? Setting my child up to love Jesus more? Or to love other things more? Does our schedule reflect our relationship with Christ. I think it does. And, and, you know, I'm not here to cause guilt or shame or anything like that. I'm just here encouraging you as parents to ask some really fair, hard questions as you disciple your children. Is this strengthening my child's faith? Does their activity enhance or hurt their chances to love and follow Jesus? Does our activity preach the gospel to the people that we are spending time with? For example, if if the world knows that Sunday morning is the most important time for the church to gather together, to worship together, to be taught, discipled, and we show up at events that are outside of church, what is that telling the world about the importance of our faith? And there again... I want to be really careful because, because I love to see kids in extracurricular activities. I especially love sports. I love going and watching basketball and volleyball and baseball. And I think there are some, some really cool things that can happen. I think that, that our, our, our young people do a really good job of, of, of representing Christ well when they go out and they they serve, they, they, they play sports, they do a great job at that. It's a great opportunity, it's a great platform for them to exercise their faith. But when it becomes priority and it takes precedence over everything else, then we have to start asking ourselves questions. You know, as I was was praying this morning, there was a verse that came to mind. And it's Galatians 6, 9. And Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good for at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. As parents, we can't give up. We we are in the battle of our lives and their eternities. But then I, I looked back a couple of verses and got the context of this verse. And here's what it says. It says, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will... will, will those who only, only live to satisfy their sinful nature will, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature, but those who who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing good. The decisions that we make as parents, although our children have to choose, they are creatures of free will just like we are. but we have to make decisions that give them the best opportunity to make Jesus the most important thing in their lives. Again, like I said, it begins with our marriages and us having healthy marriages and us doing everything we can to have healthy marriages. Then it is us as moms and dads living out our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. Do my children see me living out my faith? Do they see it as we go throughout the regular rhythms of our days? And then are we helping our children to wrestle with their faith questions, to wrestle with, with their schedules, to pray through their schedule? Because I think these things that, as you think about, about activity and, and events to go to, I think it's something that you should sit down and pray with your children about and help them wrestle through because I'm not here to answer those questions. I'm here simply to to tell you that you have to wrestle with those questions. And there's too much at stake for us to become weary and giving in. It's just what society expects. Society will take everything it can get As moms and dads, it's our responsibility to filter that and to process that with our children. Let's pray. God, these are, parenting is an incredible opportunity. Parenting is an incredible gift. Children are a gift from you. Father, we recognize also that parenting is work. Parenting is scary at times. But I pray, Father, today for our families that are here. Lord, that we would not grow weary in doing good. We would not grow weary in, in making good choices, right choices that sometimes are countercultural. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us the wisdom to to process and to pray with our children um, the opportunities that they have and the platforms that they have. Father, may our families, first and foremost, be rooted in the gospel and that the gospel would, would, would ultimately drive the decisions that we make. In name that we pray. Amen.